Marilyn Monroe. A friend made reservations for my wife and me at the Calneva Lodge on Lake Tahoe. At the Reno airport, we met George, who would be our driver for the next two weeks and take us anywhere we wanted to go. The reason the hotel was called Calneva is because there's a line right down the middle of their swimming pool. On one side of the line is California, on the other side, Nevada. You can actually swim from California to Nevada and back. Anyway, from the hotel, there were two cabins. And George told us our neighbors in the other cabin were Frank Sinatra, Marilyn Monroe, Peter Lawford, and his wife, Pat Kennedy Lawford. George said we had him until two in the morning. Then he would work for the Sinatra group, getting them booze and food for them to enjoy in their cabin. Then at six in the morning, his job was to hide in the shadows near the swimming pool to make sure that Marilyn didn't fall in and drown herself, because every morning at six, she would leave her cabin and stand next to the pool where she would look up at a hill just beyond the property. Every morning at six, Joe DiMaggio would stand on the hill, and they'd stare at each other for five or six minutes. Then she'd turn around and go back into her cabin. And George was to make sure she didn't fall in the pool. Evidently, she was always a bit tipsy for her morning visits. In his own way, I guess DiMaggio was still looking out for her. And according to George, she looked awful. Introduction Most young people come to Hollywood to be either actors or directors or writers. They fail as actors, they fail as directors, they fail as writers, so they become studio executives. I was one of them. If you were pitching a script to AFCO Embassy Pictures or Hanna-Barbera or Canon Films or Transworld Productions, you could have been pitching to me. And if I turned your story down, remember what you called me after you left my office? Idiot! You called me an idiot! And as you'd walk down the hallways, you'd mumble, how did Rodkop get that job anyway? He's stupid and sipid. He's a no-talent idiot. And as your story got turned down all over town, it became obvious to you that all studio executives, not just Rodkop, all studio executives were idiots. We just didn't get it. We didn't see the movie you saw. We only cared about the almighty dollar, not your great screenplay. In short, we were all idiots. But of the parade of writers who came to pitch their stories to me, and of the mounds of scripts I'd read, I began to get the courage to think that maybe I could start writing again. Maybe I should give up the good life of the studio executive and take the risk, the gamble of writing on speculation. Maybe my wife and I wouldn't go to Europe on vacation, and maybe my kids wouldn't wear designer label clothing, and maybe we'd have to pull back for a year or or maybe two, so I could try to write. Maybe I hit it big, or maybe I wouldn't. I was scared. We had a home in Bel Air and a couple of fancy cars and two kids and two dogs. What if our savings ran out while I was waiting to hit it big? So I wrote, and rewrote, and rewrote again, and my script, For Us the Living, the story of Medgar Evers, sold and got made, and won awards. Suddenly this idiot was an award-winning writer, winner of Among the Honors, the prestigious Writers Guild Award, the Neil Simon Award, and the Image Award. <laughs>